It's a Dapper Devil production, see? I'm Claire Manship. And I'm Ian Brodsky. And this is The Thing That Happened This Week. The show where everyone brings a story from the past seven days and we break it down. It's only 13 payments of 19.99, but wait, there's more! We're in for a wintry weekend, Ian. I am not looking forward to it I at kind, all. I kind of am, though, right? Like candles, bubble bath, cider. You know, like we're doing winter New York style, right? It doesn't come at the holidays. It comes at February. Right. That's all. That's true. We're not quite there yet, but yeah, it's supposed to be a big winter storm. See, I yesterday at work, three of us had three different apps pulled up. Mine said possible light snow. Okay. Someone else said one to two feet of snow. Whoa. And someone else has said nothing. See, my dream is three to six inches, right? This is the perfect amount of snow. It's a nice blanket. It's fun to play in. School is canceled, Mm -hmm. but no one gets hurt. Right. And like you're not (laughs) – exactly. And you're not trapped inside. Right. Exactly. Like you're going to stay inside because like unless you're a monster, but – I have plans this weekend to go to the movies, and one of my favorite things is when you go into the movies and you come out and it, it has snowed, or mm. it started snowing while you were there. Yes. I already, someone canceled work on me this weekend because they were like, hey, we don't want you to get stuck. Like, it's going to be a big storm Saturday, mm. and I'm going to be pissed if I lost a few, you know, six hours of work. Right. Right? That's like, you know, 150 bucks or something, which like, helpful money. Right. Yeah. I'm going to be pissed if this snow doesn't happen. Mm, now I'm hoping it happens for you. Yeah, thank you. We should all do the snow dance. What <laughs> did you do snow dance when you were a kid? Um Oh god, there was like a there was a superstition. I forget what it was. I I remember there it's was like you like, flush ice cubes in the toilet. Some of I I remember some people were like, "Wear your pajamas inside out." Inside out and you dance in a circle and you sing songs. Um I think there was also like a superstition like do your homework tonight so that like you can get like the snowstorm tomorrow. <laughs> you know, a fucking parent came up with that, right? Probably. Like, if you do your homework tonight, and then, like, the it snow will come. It was definitely like one of the valedictorian's parents that were like, <laughs> this is how it happens. Tell all your friends. What a dweeb. You know, what's funny is there's this photo when we were in high school. We used to, after the closing show of every, you know, like main stage theater production, we would go to someone's house for the cast party right. and the seniors would get to speak. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we buffet the food and we dance to, you know, Yeah by Usher. Exactly. And the Yin Yang twins. And then uh, and then we all go home by 11. Right. And yep. <laughs> so there's this photo where we were all at some cast party for a show and speeches are going on. And all of a sudden there's like whispers among the crowd, right? It's like a hundred kids in a basement. It's like, like whisper whisper and then all of a sudden someone's like hey everybody school's canceled and the photo is like everyone's arms in the air like yay it was like it's so exciting was it actually canceled it was canceled for the next like day and then we ended up being out of school for like half a week really yeah it was a big it was kind of a big storm really yeah wow because dc like the dc metro area when it gets snow i mean they're is such infrastructure already put in place for emergency circumstances. And if it's a big snow, it's still not going to work because there's these tiny twisty historic roads with cobblestones and tiny buildings that are a thousand, you know, a hundred years old, a thousand years old, a thousand years old from the beginning beginning of of America. (laughs) But yeah, so these school buses can't go anywhere. Even if the roads are completely clear, it's just too dangerous. Mm, Got it. See, we did not have 
um, we didn't have shows going on. We only had a fall show and a spring show. Okay. And I never did the fall show, but um, oh. <laughs> I always did the spring musical. He's lofty and high above us. Clearly. Um, and fun fact: one of my co- one of my colleagues from back then is now on the Hamilton tour in Puerto Rico. Whoa! Um, yeah. Talk she, about a glow up. Uh, yeah, she's Peggy. So like amazing. And she's uh she's with, and Peggy. She's with um your agency. So oh Avalon, yes. I love Avalon. Yeah. So anyway, um. Our, so we used to do the same exact thing, but it would be the end of March. So mm-hmm. it's right when, like, things are starting to get warm. Like, we're all teenagers, so things are getting, like, weird. Um, <laughs> but my senior year, we did Hello, Dolly, and the cast party was in our friend's barn. So. No. Yes. That is so sexy. That's, like, something that would happen on Pretty Little Liars. It was, it was like, straight out of that shit. Ooh, and that's was, some Rosewood shit. It was really cool. Ah! And then, of course, like, I don't know what my luck and timing is, but, like, I always leave, like, ten minutes before the cops show up. Amazing. For whatever reason. <laughs> Typically, it's just a noise complaint, but. We used to get these cops in college that were called ALE, and they were, like, cops that had either just joined the force or they were training, mm-hmm. and they would show up, because they were young dudes, they would show up at the party and, like, lean against the wall and chat up, you know, people at the party, mm-hmm. And then be like, hey, actually, I'm ALE. Can I see your ID? Yeah. And it was like a sting operation. Oof. Oof. Yeah. This was in college or high school? College. Okay. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. I also had an incident where, like, I was leaving a party as the cops were pulling up to oh my God. a party. Do you and I was hear? like, oh, sucks for those people. And then the next day I was like, yeah, three of our friends got arrested last night. Jesus. Like, what the fuck? Do you want to hear a crazy story? Yes. Okay. Always. The town of Elon has a lot of off-campus housing, and one particular, like, kind of development of housing is on the other side of the train tracks from main campus and, like, the main bars that people used to hang out at. And so you had to cross the train tracks to go back and forth between apartments and nightlife. And at one point, I really needed to go to the bathroom, I think. And I was wearing really high heels, and I'm super drunk underage, right? So I walk out of the bar. It was called West End, I think. I walk out of West End, and cops were always parked outside of West End because they wanted to make sure that these kids didn't carry their bottles on the other side of the of the courtyard that this bar had, like, outdoor seating space. And so kids would, like, walk outside, and they'd be like, get back in there with that bottle, bro. And so... <laughs> but there was no open container law? No, there is open container. So, like, we could be on one side of... This, like, brick wall where there was outdoor seating. Oh, I see. But the moment you step onto the sidewalk, they'd be like, get back over there. Right, 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 right. Okay, and the cops in town were like, nice, whatever. You don't – you're not a cop in a college town if you don't like college kids, you know? And they're all young and cool, whatever. It was different in New Paltz, but fine. (laughs) Well, at Elon, you know, it's like these rich white bros. Right. And, you know, the cops are also rich white bros. Right. And so I walk outside of the bar. I'm clearly drunk. And, you know, it doesn't really matter what I look like, but – at the time, you could tell that I was on the younger side of student life. Mm-hmm. And I and this cop is like, ma'am, are you okay? And I was like, yes, but I need your help. <laughs> My friend is really drunk, and we sent her home a little bit ago. And I really want to go over there and check on her, but I'm just, like, worried about crossing the train tracks. And he was like, oh, well, that's very nice of you. How about I give you a ride? Mm. So he gives me a ride, like, down to the end of the street, in the cop car. 
like front seat of the cop car ride along style i am wasted we try <laughs> we drive to the end of the street where the train tracks crossing is he turns right and then we turn back right and go to this apartment complex i'm like i'm gonna go check on my friend thanks so much for the ride he goes well i'll wait for you and i was like okay so i go inside i pee i come back out I get in the cop car. I tell him, I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Yeah, she's sleeping. I just, you know, flipped her over so she wouldn't like throw up on herself. But anyway, can we go back to West End? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, sure. You're a really good friend. I was like, thanks. Like, you're a really great cop. And he- <laughs> That is incredible. He drove me back to the bar and I went back inside and drank more. <laughs> you... You beat the system, Claire. I really did. All you have to do is befriend a hot cop. Right. Yeah. That's that's the key. All this is to say Black Lives Matter and my privilege bleeds. Right. <laughs> right. It's, fair, yes. Very Yeah. Fair. I would literally never have that interaction ever again. Right. Yeah. Um, but it was a crazy night. That's insane. Yeah, crazy. And I love it. And the whole thing is he 100% knew what was going on. Oh, I'm sure. Like, I think he just saw, like, a mildly pretty girl and was like, let's just help her. Right. Because he probably didn't want to see me cross the train tracks drunk. Right. (laughs) You know, fair. He was in on it, I'm pretty sure. I remember discovering one day. I have, like, I don't my memory is really selective. And, like, I might not remember, like, your birthday or where you grew up, but, like, I'll remember, like, one story that you told me from like eight years ago or like i'll remember like your face from like one specific time that we met so one dude who i was uh in orientation with in college who i had not seen since i saw him like my first year living in new york city as a cop on the subway whoa there's no reason for me to go up and say hi or anything but like it just kind of freaked me out because it was like we literally just shared a wall for three nights and now you're New York's finest, I guess. Is that is that fireman? Yes. New, no, no. New, York. New York's finest is the cops. New York's bravest is fireman. Got it. So now you're one of New York's Just finest. think it's brave to run into a fire, it, and then you'll it never forget. Is. Well, right. Yeah, you're right. Definitely is. Um, and that's also like a fantastic glow up when a person oh, yeah. like I love, especially when it's like some dude who like smoked a bunch of weed and then it's like turned around, turns into a cop. I'm like, yeah, bro. Yeah, you're getting your fucking life together. Good see, for you. See, it's <laughs> funny because I had friends in high school that were like, yeah, that person's becoming a cop just so that they can confiscate weed and smoke it. I'm like, no, that's, uh, I that's don't pretty think cynical. that's how being a cop works. Right. Like, not to say that there aren't police officers who smoke weed on their own time. I'm sure there are. And there are states where that is legal and good for them. Right. But, um, yeah, I think you become a cop because you want a steady way of life and you want to protect your family and your community. And uh, hopefully you're Make a that law- overtime money. Yeah, you're a law-abiding citizen who just likes donuts and coffee and just wants to make sure everyone gets to school okay. Fucking love donuts. You know what I mean? Fucking love donuts. No. All right, let's go to the thing that happened this week. Let's do it. Cue... The music. Ian Brodsky, what happened to you this week? Ooh, so. um, (laughs) He clears his throat. It's very important news. um, No, no, I just just got a little sick this past week and it's uh, still feeling it. That's not my thing that happened this week. Um, Makes me think of Perch Perkins on Spongebob where he's mm. like, breaking news! <laughs> <coughs> breaking news! Um, but yeah, so this kind of goes back to your um, idea of privilege and things. Um, Bourgeois problems. Exactly. Champagne um, poppy problems. Right. Um, so, as 
listeners of the show may or may not know, I am Jewish. Um, and this story has a little bit of backstory, so bear with me for a minute. Um, I grew up— The Jews are from Israel. Right. It all started with God. And one day he said— <laughs> It all started— Oh, that got me. That was a good one. Episode title. Um, but <laughs> It all started with God. Sure. That um, can be the episode title. Cool. Um, so I grew up with a lot of—I grew up in New York— with um, a lot of other Jewish people, uh, New York, especially lower New York, uh, the suburbs, the city, the boroughs have a large Jewish population. For, it, for context, there are more Jews living in Brooklyn right now than there are in Israel. Right. Yeah. Like more in Muncie, New York, where like next to where <laughs> I grew up than in Israel. Oh, second most to Israel. Um, that is all to say that it wasn't until I was in my early 20s where I was the first Jewish person that people have met because – artists, people from, and other people of all professions come to New York City to pursue something. Mm -hmm. And if you're from Kentucky or Montana or anywhere west of Pennsylvania. But also in the South, I mean, I didn't meet a Jewish kid until the sixth grade. Right. And I didn't like really get close, like have a close Jewish friend until I lived in New York City. Right. And like I, and like there's always exceptions to the rule. I went to like I work with a dude now who's from Alabama. He's like, oh, there are so many Jews down there, and I'm like, you're fucking with me, aren't you? <laughs> but he wasn't. Um, so that is all to say that I, over the past let's call it five years, have become like the Jewish friend. And now, if you know me, like to whom, to whom, um, to friends who have moved here. From other parts of the country who didn't... You're know. like their first touchstone of Jewish culture. Right. Okay, I understand. And even for like some people who grew up here that just grew up in different um, different neighborhoods that are very culturally... Um, that have very much like one culture. Okay. So, um, so it's kind of a mix of people. This past week, um, a friend of mine li- uh, likes to call me one of her Jewish babies. And hmm. it's not... It's not offensive. It's I've I think that's always, offensive. I've always been like okay with it <laughs> hmm. um, until the past like year or so, and okay. that definitely has a lot to do with like the political climate we're in, um, as well as like just kind of the history of the Jewish people. Because can I just jump in for please. one second as a goy, like as a goyish non-Jew, even that is offensive to me. Why does she get to have ownership over a person? That is a huge issue in sure. all cultures, but particularly right. for uh, Judaism. Yes. And also why infantilize that? Why infantilize someone's religion? I find that um, it's less that like I'm a baby, like I'm her baby. and Right. But how does I'm, she say it? Like, uh, like, oh, you're like a little Jewish baby. Like, the infantilization comes, like, from me being, like, a, a younger brother figure as opposed to being, like, a, like a okay. tiny other. Okay. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Still, a weird distinction to make about sure. a person. Um, and, like, I, like, I'm used to being, like, kind of everyone's little brother or everyone's older brother, depending on who you well, are. Well, you're but... my peer. Exactly. You're my Jewish peer. My, my Ju- Jewish peer. Um, <laughs> but... Um, sorry, I jumped in. Okay. I just no, wanted I wanted to clarify before you like. That's fair. Because I, you're you're definitely the guy who will be like, oh, that is a bit like to downplay something, and I just want you to know, like, that's valid. Thank and you. And it sounds weird even for to me. Thank you. And like, it started becoming weird when I first started realizing that like people were knowing me as like their Jewish friend. And right. if you know me, I 
I, I, I say, like, I'm not that Jewish. Like, I was raised very reformed, very liberally Jewish. You I don't was go to synagogue on Saturdays. No, not at all. Like, I had a Hanukkah party, but that's because, like, no one has a Hanukkah party. Like, everyone has, like, holiday parties, but that's usually Christmas. It And it only started bothering me, like, at, as of lately because um, – and I'm going to quote um, this really brilliant Twitter thread I wrote I, – not that I wrote, uh, that I saw – that basically says Judaism is a very specific kind of lack of privilege essentially because you both benefit and are directly impacted by white supremacy. Okay. Um, because you can be a white person who's Jewish and you your white privilege remains intact until it's your Judaism that's under fire as opposed to mm. the author of this tweet who was a black person who was Jewish – where she does not have which is that super rare to be clear it's rare um and it's and she does not but have, they exist uh, yeah and like there's a fair amount of them like sephardic jews tend to be like your moorish um your ethiopian like your darker skinned um jewish population sure but as a result she doesn't really she doesn't have that benefit from the get-go and on top of that her judaism is questioned because she is black yes which is if you ask me very not jewish um and also super gross. Like, right? Why is it anybody's fucking business what God I worship? Right. I, I, it makes me crazy. It makes me crazy. Right. So, um, that is all to say. At this point, this past week, um, my friend, one of my friends who I'm super close with, who I can tell anything to, me and one of my other friends were at work, and she calls us her little Jewish babies. And without thinking, I go, "You don't call me your Jewish baby anymore." And Whoa. she, and like I'm typically not. It's not that I'm not that direct, but like you're not that direct. I don't, but like I don't <laughs> typically bite like that. Yeah. Wow. And she goes, she stops and goes, "What?" And I go, "You don't get to call me your Jewish baby anymore." And and she goes, "Why not?" And I go, and this happened to be the right example. But I go, imagine if I were just calling you like my Latina amiga, like if that's what you were to me. And she goes, "Okay, that's fair." That's fair. And I, and I said, I'm sorry if that was, like, biting or direct. Like, it's just early. I'm tired. Like, I – and she goes, no, no. It's absolutely fine. Like, that's the perspective, like, I needed. Yeah. So, luckily, it, like, became a very productive conversation of, like, this – of this privilege and yeah. how, um, like, Jews have a very similar history to other um, – to people of different races who have, like, histories of enslavement or persecution um, and how – there's nuance and um, sh- essentially like shades of gray in my history that complement other people's histories. And we were mm. able to have a really cool discussion about that and not make it about like – not make it a, like identity politics in the negative way, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, and also at the same time, I feel like I got to stand up for myself a little bit because it was starting to bother me that like people were like, oh, you're so Jewish. And I'm like – do you see me running around with like a yarmulke and like a copy of the Torah under my arm? Like, no, <laughs> I just happen to be a Jewish person and I happen to just like make note of it because it's like, also a fucking weird distinction to make when you live in New York city. Right. It's an easy assumption that everyone is Jewish. Like, Oh yeah, kind like, of. I'm not trying to be a dick because of no. course it's like a very diverse place and all religions are represented here and all are valid. Right. But like if you run into a brunette headed guy on the upper West side, he's likely a Jew and it's none of your it's fucking very business. Poss- it's very possible. Yeah. Like I, anywhere in New York. To me. Yeah. And Why is that any, and so like and yeah and so then it got me like 
thinking and like reflecting of like for example i work with a lot of like black people i work with a lot of latino people and um like they teach me slang and like we kind of like share each other's cultures and i always say like hey like stop me if i'm appropriating like i don't want to be like mm-hmm. i don't want to be going you're and you're being like you can't do that like right so um i'm happy that it like it didn't turn into a thing like it did not turn into an hr nightmare which is very great um, but I got to, well, the only of... way it turns into an HR nightmare is if you make it one, right? <laughs> that's also fair. Um, yeah, like it was, and for me it was significant because that's kind of the first discussion of like my main lack of privilege. Like I know I'm a white dude, I'm a straight white dude, I'm a straight able-bodied white dude. Um, but like being Jewish, like that is my, like one, I, I don't know what the word is, but like, that's like the one piece of privilege that i guess i don't have in this current day and age because right because of the uh, because of the culture that that we're living in right now um when you have a president who is openly anti-semitic it's it's like when people say i didn't lie well it's a lie of omission right yeah because on like international holocaust day he can't Mm -hmm. say the word jewish in his address in the rose garden It's a form of anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. And frankly, the Semite, like, people, that's a race. It's a form right. of racism. Right. We have a racist president. I think everybody understands that. Mm-hmm. The wall is not about national security. So if we're going to go to that length, it's not unreasonable for you to walk around with this on your mind. And at the same time, like, I, if I bring up my Judaism, like, it's not because I'm all of a sudden, like, yeah, I love being Jewish. Like, I'm bringing it up now because, like, it's important, like— it's a visibility kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we need to, like, we can't hide. A, we've been on the run for thousands of years. Um, and regularly persecuted. Regularly persecuted. And especially, like, now that it's a problem in my own country, between Pittsburgh and this, like, this government, like, it's something that we need to band together with as all of us who are persecuted in one way or another and with our allies. Right. Um, and nowadays, I may bring it up more just because... Like, I'm not going anywhere. Well, like, and it's this more, is something that I have to deal with. This is my reality. It's a more substantial part of your identity now in this current time as an exactly. adult than it ever was. And it's completely okay to, like, not to, like, minimize this, but to go back and get in touch with your roots. Right. And that's just how I grew up. Yeah. So, yeah. Fun exchange. Um, Fun exchange, my friend. Cool. Well, I'm really proud of you. Yeah, thank it you. It takes... You know, it takes a lot of courage to stand up for yourself in any way. To Thank Neville you. Longbottom a situation is yeah, hard. Yes. It's hard. It is. Especially to a friend. Especially, especially to a friend. Especially when it's been ongoing. I think it's even harder. I think it's significantly harder to stand up to friends than it is to stand up to people that you know less. Yes. So, yeah. That's so true. Yeah. That's so true. Um, well, I love you. I love you. You're my peer. Yes, peer. Yes, peer. <laughs> Yes, Pierre. <laughs> All right, my turn. Your turn. All right. Get that music. Thank I'm you, gentlemen. I'm switching up the <laughs> Um. Okay, so this week, mostly the last month, I shared on the show that I was laid off from my job and uh, – In the last month, I've been spending a lot of my time interviewing. So in the last week, I built a whole new structure for work, okay? Mm. Instead of one job where I do 
the responsibilities of childcare, housekeeping, and babysitting, right? Like, childcare being the nannying portion, like, I feed them, I bathe them, da-da-da. And then babysitting, like, chauffeuring activity to activity, mm. if that makes sense. Right. Um, and then, obviously, the housekeeping, dishes, laundry, straightening up, making beds, whatever. That all used to be in one job. And I decided that it was actually easier to cobble together three jobs. Mm. And split them all up. So here's what happened, right? Over the winter break, I had a phone interview with a really nice Upper West Side mom who was a little bit worried that I'm an actor and might have to leave them as their nanny. So they ended up hiring a different nanny. And then she emailed me and said, Hey, Claire, you were so passionate about cooking and cleaning. After you settle what your, like, regular job is going to be, would you be interested in housekeeping for us and cooking for us six to eight hours a week and I said yes I would be very interested in that and so then I continued to interview and one of the families that I help in Tribeca on you know like Saturday night date night situations Mm -hmm. asked me how the job search was going and I said I'm trying to settle what the main weekday job is going to be but I would really you know like this other mom suggested a supplementary job I would really love to like have a a set Saturday or Sunday schedule with another family. And I just said that kind of like, that's kind of the next step. And they said, well, you're with us basically every Saturday. Do you just want to make this like a regular set schedule? I said, yes, I would love to. Ooh. Okay. So then that's two jobs, right? Mm. And together that's like 12, 15 hours. And so already I was in a good position to whatever the next job I take gets me up to 25 or 30 hours a week, which is where I need to be so that I make enough money to live here, but I have the flexibility to audition and have a social life. Mm -hmm. So then, which, P.S., also a champagne fucking problem that (laughs) that part-time work is my concern, okay? Because there are tons and tons and tons of millennials fucking burnt out at their office jobs 60 hours a week. I love that you call it a champagne problem. It's a a fully a champagne problem. It is. I just, I've never heard that term before, and I think it's like, that's the perfect term yeah for that kind of thing oh yeah 100 percent. you feel free to use it thank you um so that being said i ended up locking down a third job later in the week that's going to be monday to friday after school for just three hours a day Mm. and so that job with a set 15 plus the 12 to 15 i already had on the side i not only had the opportunity to build myself more hours which i needed but also like commensurate with my experience, I applied to these jobs and gave myself a raise. They asked me, each job asked me what I wanted to make. And I said, here's what I make now. Here's what I know I'm worth at a starting salary. Of course, I'm not going to shoot as high as I make now because I've been with that family for two and a half years and I'm doing all three jobs in one. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I got a really great deal on all of these. The best part of all is that If one job doesn't work out, I still have two other jobs. Oh, yeah. Which I don't know why. Like, I understand. If you're working 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, or 10 to 6, and you got that 40-hour work week plus overtime, blah, blah, blah. Or not overtime, but you're salaried, and you, Mm -hmm. you you have an office to go to every day. Then having one job makes sense because the regularity is required. Yeah. And that job can fund your whole lifestyle. And you probably don't have the energy for anything else. Exactly, right? That millennial burnout is fucking real. So real. So real. Okay. But for freelancers like us, Mm -hmm. in our situation, it... I don't know why it never occurred to me before that the best strategy was to split up 
the jobs. Hmm. Because if I lose one job, I have no job. Right. There's no income. And so basically I feel I'm really proud of myself because not only did I give myself a raise and more hours. Yeah. Yeah. I, pos- I positioned myself for security, which I've never, since I've lived in New York, right, there was like a phase where I came out of college and champagne situation, my parents helped me get transitioned, and then they helped me pay part of my rent for a while, and then about two years in, I was paying all my bills by myself, mm-hmm. and now we're, you know, five, six, seven years in, and I am fully self-supporting, but I don't get to keep anything for myself. And so my hope for this situation is that I can save a little bit, I can pay down my credit card a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, and that I just live more comfortably day to day. I would say financial concerns are on my mind, I don't know, at least once a day, normally twice or three times a day. Right. And I, I really shouldn't, you know, I can't go to Starbucks every fucking day, but when I do go, I shouldn't feel bad for getting a cup of coffee. I really shouldn't, and I do worry about that now. Right. And I I think that's... Financial problems, like, regardless of, like, what the extent of those problems are, I think that's universal, and I think that's something that we can all, um, I think that's something that we can all come together on. Because, yeah. like, I, have, like, credit cards have been, like, the bane of my existence since I moved to New York, and, like, yes. that's a whole other story for a whole other time, but, like, like, no matter what your financial situation is, like, it's New York, so we're all thinking about it. And Yes. Yeah, and it's so hard to... It's so hard to, like, find any sort of mobility with that stuff. So you are going to be doing Monday through Friday for three hours a day, correct? And then and then housekeeping? Yes. And then Saturdays with the one family? Yes. Cool. So what I'm hoping, and there will be more news on this later, I'm sure, but what I'm hoping is the mom who asked me to housekeep, I can email her, like, every Sunday night and say, here are my auditions for the next week. I have mm. windows at this time and this time. And then eventually, if it goes well with the family, you get the keys from them, and then you just show up you know, do your job and leave. Um, I also really like the idea, like housekeeping makes me very comfortable. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, naturally as someone with OCD, like that is a comfort to me sometimes. Mm -hmm. Cleaning is not, I just want to dispel a pretty big rumor about OCD. Cleaning is not everybody's thing. Right. And cleaning is not the OCD manifesting itself. It's symptomatic of the obsessions like like you you clean to offset obsessions right i just want to make it clear like when people say oh i'm so ocd because i like my books aligned in a particular way it's like no actually people with ocd align books because that's the only thing they can do with their obsessive energy Mm -hmm. it has nothing to do about with the books right yeah okay there we go just wanted to throw that out there so as someone with ocd if i'm housekeeping i have a guaranteed amount of time each week to be by myself while the kids are in school cleaning someone else's stuff Mm being with my thoughts that's cool yeah and i i feel like that could be i mean in its own way like meditative time that i'm not taking for myself right now sure yeah and to get paid to have alone time oh hell yes yeah sounds great oh hell yes yeah well i'm very happy for you that sounds like such a cool like that's such a cool situation thank you i am exciting i feel like i kind of finagled the system yeah yeah like riding around with cops (laughs) i have figured it out 
Claire Manship. I have figured it out. I figured it out. You can buy it. It's going to be sold in a double pack with the life-changing magic of tidying up. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, thanks for listening. And yes. on to the quiz. On to the quiz. Cue the, the music. music. Ian Brodsky, what are you obsessed with this week? Okay, so I'm going to talk about one of my favorite bands upstate again because I'm obsessed with one of their lyrics. Ooh. One of their lyrics um, in one, their upcoming album in a song called Healing, which you can find online, but you can't pick up your pace in a standstill or clean up your act in a landfill. You can only roll stones so far up a hill before they come rolling back onto you. Ooh. Right. And <gasps> The shade, like, honey. I And I heard that for the first time when i saw them in concert and i was like that's brilliant yeah it is like who wrote that i my guess is that one of their singers did like wow yeah like i'm i was kind of like is that from something like that has to be like an ancient proverb or something <laughs> clean up your act in, in a, a landfill. landfill that part gets yeah me. um and then they go back to it and like at the end of the song they say um sometimes you gotta uh pick up your pace in a standstill or clean up your act in a landfill. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I'm like, it's been on my mind because I'm like, that is brilliant. Amazing. Okay. Question number two. Mm. Would you rather for a week show up to work every day in a toga with olive branch headband or as a pirate with eye patch? Pirate. <laughs> just because of what I do for work, I feel like a pirate would be a little more accessible. <laughs> I feel like I wouldn't. I feel like I would more likely get sent home for being in a toga. Hey, and you know what? There could be puns involved, right? You work in tech. Yeah. Pirating. Mm. Hey. Just walk around sales floors and tech <laughs> branches and be like, no pirating. Art. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Question number three. Mm. What are you watching slash listening to this week? Um, I'm listening to all my Crooked Media podcasts because they're back. If you haven't listened to Keep It yet, I highly recommend it. Um, it's really good. Um, and I have been rewatching a lot of stand-up specials. So if you haven't already, check out Chelsea Peretti's One of the Greats, Catherine Ryan's In Trouble, and um, anything that Eliza Schlesinger has on Netflix. Amazing. Yeah, so those are the main things right now. And I'm uh, reading for the first time Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. For the first time? Because, fun fact about me, I stopped at the fifth book because by that point... Oh, Ian, your world is about to get fucking I know, rocked. I know, because at that point I was like, well, the, the movies are just going to come out anyway. Do you know someone spoiled the sixth book for me? Yeah. I think you told me that Made once. Made me so angry. Right. All right. You know what? I can let that go. I can let <laughs> that go. Aaron Calabrese. <laughs> Doesn't bring me joy. <laughs> <laughs> Does not bring me joy. All right. Uh, question number four, who was the last person you texted? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, nope. This is this is what makes it such a great question. Um, uh, I think it was, oh, it was one of my coworkers from, like, a project from years ago. Um, yeah. Great. Nice, yeah, nice little, uh, hey, how's it going? Ran into this problem, help. Amazing. And she was helpful. Well, she sounds yes. helpful. Question number five, one person, living or dead, whom you may or may not know, who you would like to wish well this week? My first ever crush. 
Her name is Stephanie Tai. Hi, Stephanie Tai. She Ty. was the inspiration for me to become musical. She was, I think she was salutatorian in our uh, in our high school. Yeah, she was. Um, First is the worst, second is the best. Exactly. Third is the one with the treasure chest. Exactly. She, actually, she <laughs> might have been third. Um, she so was, she's rich now. Yes, yeah, she's one of those two, but she and I were... <laughs> super like we were super tight growing up but she was also my first crush and of course like fulfilling the jewish stereotype she was asian and um and she i don't know why like i was just like she just came up in my mind the other day and i'm like i wonder how she's doing so did you look her up um yeah because we're still friends on facebook but she's not very active so like it didn't tell me anything you gotta message her right well if she's listening what's up hi steph ty all right my turn your turn. Claire Ask Manship. me the questions, Eon. All right. Well, what are you obsessed with this week? I am obsessed with a new kind of dermatology video I found. So everybody knows that I love Dr. Pimple Popper. I'm really into baby foot, all these things. I really love cosmetology and dermatology videos. Um, but I found one that is so fucking satisfying. I could watch it. I did watch it for hours last night. Mm. <laughs> it's callus <laughs> trimming. Okay. So people who have, like, conditions that make their calluses grow really thick and really fast, mm. they have to, like, self, uh, self-care, self basically, with uh, basically, like, box cutters or razor blades. Oof. And they can't – it doesn't hurt them. They don't right, feel it. Right, But they have to, like, scrape away the callus that's growing so that it doesn't get so big that they, like – can't walk anymore right and apparently it's a very common issue i have never had calluses like that before Mm. even when i danced you know all the time right um but it was fascinating to watch and very satisfying to see a foot go from like a monster to like smooth and perfect so very on brand for you yeah you know i love that shit of course yes all right would you rather yeah live in an apartment without a bathroom for a week Mm. or with no kitchen no kitchen because i can always eat out that's fair. I can't shower anywhere. I guess I, mm, I could go to the gym. Hold on. Let me think about this. I think I would still eat out and I can seamless in. Right. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. Yeah. But that's a tough one actually. It is. Because it wouldn't be the truth for everybody. Right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I, again, I kept thinking it's I was cool. doing. No, it's all good. But what are you watching and listening to? Okay, so all my favorite shows are back, right? Yes. Manifest, New Amsterdam, The Good Place, I Feel Bad, I think Superstore is on the horizon. I think that's tonight. Oh, is it tonight? For oh. When we're recording. I'm yeah. so excited. I yeah, think the full NBC lineup is back tonight. Amazing. Um, and uh, I recently went to the movies and I saw, I saw Vice. How was it? It was pretty good it was really overwhelming adam mckay's writing and directing is not my favorite like Mm. the big short i found very pandering and patronizing Mm. um but this one was interesting there was one moment that i laughed so hard i i can't spoil it but like it's about halfway through the movie and you'll know exactly what it is Mm. um so yeah that was really cool and uh, i'm looking forward to seeing on the basis of sex uh, this week, which I'm excited about, and uh, also that J Lo movie. Hey, uh, second act or something? Yeah, second act. That rom com by mm. Baby. I also finished Marie Kondo's show on Netflix. Love her. I'm about to go into phase three, lesson mm. three, which is paper. 
um, in my own life, not on the show because I finished it. <laughs> and I also watched the most amazing documentary about the Fire Festival. All right. So, I'm dying to watch that. All right. I am dying to watch gonna that. You're going to love it. Hulu is so fucking shady, though. They dropped their Fire Festival doc two days before yes! the Netflix one. Yes. Okay, the Hulu one is incredible. I'm not going to spoil it, but there is a twist about 15 to 20 minutes in where you think it's about the Fire Festival like in entirety and then someone appears that like makes it a whole nother narrative wow yeah so it's pretty great i would go watch it i'm just catching up on those uh, you know npr politics all the npr podcasts and uh i feel like i was listening to something oh yeah i'm listening to love l-a-u-v he did that um you make me better and I with you. That right. song. Uh, last year or two years ago. And uh, his new song is, um, Well, there's no way that it's not going there. Mm. From the way that we're looking at each other. So, yeah. All right. It's a sex song, yeah. Ian. <laughs> sex. 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 So, yes. That's it. Cool. I'm done. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. Um <laughs> But who was the last person you texted without looking? The last person I texted was the mom of the Tribeca family I help on Saturdays because she told me that they don't need me this Saturday because of the winter storm. Right. Bringing it back. Bringing it back, back. Yeah. All right. And finally. full circle. Full circle. Just like the Cher show. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shout out to Louis Peitzman. Fuck Louis Peitzman. Oh, hi, buddy. Um, And finally. Yeah. Who would you like to wish well this week? Well, you mentioned my agency earlier, and you know, it occurred to me I have never thanked my agent on the show. Mm. Um, first and foremost, i got to give it up to God and then, <laughs> and then my team. Um, so my agent, Craig Holtzberg, is the loveliest of people. He is such an incredible person. He plucked me from obscurity almost six years ago now mm. um, and really has made things happen in my career so quickly and so um effectively he's like a shark when he negotiates Mm. like offers that have been given to me first off those offers wouldn't even be there if he didn't you know if his name wasn't attached to like my work and then offers miraculously somehow come through and they're trying to book me on on a job and he always gets me better perks or more money or more comfortability or more accessibility he really is just an incredible agent and a really good person. And every time I talk to him, I just feel like I'm taken care of. I love that. Yes. So I love you, Craig. Thank you so much for being the best agent in the world. It's It makes such a difference when you, like, feel comfortable with your reps. Yes. And again, it's another champagne problem, but, like... <laughs> To I've have had, an agent is a game fucking changer. It is, but like I've had agents before who I'm like, I don't want to talk to this person. I don't want to email Ew. this person. Like I like when can we like when is this year up so I can get out of this contract oh stat? My God, that's my nightmare. It was awful. And like I like personally I'm feel I also am so thankful that like I have a team that is just so caring and believes in me and like I'm coming up on ten years with my manager, like it's amazing. Bananas. Bananas. Yeah, honestly, the next time that my contract will be turning over with Avalon, I'll have been with them eight years. Like, Sweet. Yeah, 2021, baby. 2021? Yeah. Cool. Um. Wow, this was a great episode. This was. This was fun. I can always tell when it went well. Right. I can't always tell when it went bad until I listen. Sure. <laughs> 
that's fine isn't often but you all know sometimes we're just tired sometimes we're just tired we're tie tie honey tie tie we're very busy important people yeah very important (laughs) (laughs) um okay ian brodsky where can people find you find me at ibrosky on twitter and instagram and at brodsky ian on facebook what about you claire i'm at womanship on twitter and snapchat clairemanship.com facebook.com slash julia claire manship you can find the show on uh itunes and soundcloud and stitcher and google play please rate comment like subscribe the ratings are super helpful we have some new five-star ratings in apple Podcasts. thank you so much thank you um i have a quick plug Ooh, plug it plug it plug it in plug it in plug it in plug it in i am putting together a benefit concert at feinstein's 54 below saturday February 16th at 11.30 p.m. 50% of the proceeds are going to Planned Parenthood of New York City. The lineup is fucking fierce, y'all. We've got everybody you need. Wicked, The Prom, Orange is the New Black, Hairspray, The Lion King. (laughs) You know, what? The Lion King. Yeah. Whatever music, style, fantasticism you need, these ladies are bringing it. It's a all-female lineup, female accompanist, female produced, female branded. Boom, baby. And they are ferocious. Ian, do you have your tickets yet? Not yet. I'm On sorry. blast. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> buy them. Buy them. And use code LUNCH3 when you do for a little bit of a discount. We're not giving too many discounts because I gotta be honest, it's, it's for charity and we want as much money as possible to go to said charity. Right. Alright, so please come to that. If you live in the tri-state area, we would love to see you on 54th Street. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's where it is. <laughs> we are a Dapper Devil production. Make sure to check us out at Dapper Devil Prod on Twitter, at Dapper Devil Productions on Instagram. Follow and uh, check out all the other shows in the network. We're doing some fun stuff. Yeah, we are. Chris Tries to Review Wine Live just dropped their Sober January episode. Ooh. Yeah, so make sure you go check out Wine That Has No Alcohol. Chris doesn't get drunk the entire show. Which is great. Yes, which is... Good for you, buddy. <laughs> Very proud of you. Once in a blue moon. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Chris. I'm kidding. We love you. Yeah, love you, buddy. Okay, uh, until next week, I'm Claire Manship. And I'm Ian Brodsky. And, and that, that was, was the thing, thing that, that happened, happened this week. week. Bye. Bye. Dappa Devil Productions, say...